You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Thank you very much, pastors. Have you got good pastors or what? Is this good? And the whole team here? It's absolutely brilliant. My first time in Midland. Um, the first time I came here, actually, I couldn't get the right instructions because I said, where's Lubok? And what? Lubok? And then I discover that Texans are like Queenslanders. You abbreviate everything. And it's Lubok. Even with a U, it's La. That's okay. It's awesome. We're loving it here. I'm from the state of Queensland in Australia. I've been there for 37 years. Before that, I was a Kiwi from New Zealand. <clears throat> and um, we moved over to plan our church, and we just started with our family and one other person. And you know, when you obey God, he just does exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. I really had not, not a big idea about it. I just wanted to preach the gospel and help people. And uh, seven years ago, my wife and I handed the church over to one of our sons in the faith and the whole team there, they've taken it over. And we're just kind of traveling and doing whatever God wants us to do. So it's been uh, quite nice. And um, I've been coming to America for about 25 years. And uh, I've done a lot in Texas and Dallas and other places, but I've never been to Midland. So you're looking pretty good, Mid Midlandites. You're, you know, you're looking good. And it's so good to be here with you this morning. So pastors have been very kind. They've just said to me, you do your thing. And I find that's the best thing to do. You, you agree with me? So I find when I do my gift, things happen. And, you know, when you copy someone else, it's a poor imitation. Just, just find out what God's given you and live in that and be in that. And you'll find the blessing of God will be on you. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for some people. Is that okay? And then we're going to believe for some miracles. Everywhere we've been going, we've been seeing incredible miracles. So we'll do that right now. And then I might preach a bit. And then we might pray for some more people. Is that okay at the end? So they've given me plenty of time. I can't believe it. It's, it's awesome. Midland, mate, you're awesome here. I'm loving it. <clears throat> As I prepare for meetings, I often get ideas about <clears throat> what to pray for. So the sort of things I want to pray for this morning is I want to pray for people that have pain in their body. And I know there are some people, you probably took some medication before you came to the service. And that can be in any part of your body. I've experienced that. I never did when I was young. I had no concept really of pain. My wife tried to explain it to me when she had our children, but I kind of didn't get it. <laughs> but then when I got crook a few years ago, I got sick, I had this incredible pain. The only thing that would relieve it was mainlining morphine into my system. It was terrible. But in that dark moment, I felt an empathy instantly for people who have pain in their body. I know there's some here that have got pain in their body, and I don't believe it's the will of God for you to live with pain in your body. I want to pray. I think there's one person here, but there could be several. You've got different forms of thrombosis in your system. 
I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for a person who's got something wrong with the arches of your feet. You may have even had treatment for it. And it's in the soles of your feet or the arches of your feet. And you've got problems there with pain and difficulties. It might have even been because of an injury. I also want to pray for people this morning who have had various procedures and operations, but they haven't healed properly. Um, There could be still infections there. There could be uh, difficulties. And I want to pray for you people as well, for your wholeness. Because I believe there are two things. That we're not just looking to the Lord for healing. I believe we can look to the Lord for wholeness. We can be totally restored, totally whole. Like the woman that came to Jesus and he said, your faith has made you whole. Notice he didn't say, your faith has healed you, because that was obvious. But he said, your faith has made you whole, meaning she became whole in her body, her soul, and her spirit. And that's the will of God for us. Something I pray for everywhere I go. I, I had this originally as a word of knowledge, and I, I just called it out. You know, that's what I do. And the response was incredible. And I went to the next meeting, another place, and the Lord said, do that again. And again, a response. We've literally seen hundreds of people healed from various conditions. And I want to pray for people that have what I call chemical imbalance. So that could be like high thyroid, low thyroid, low iron, high iron, all sorts of things. And men have these things too. And I'd like to pray for you people. Maybe there's other things that you've got that you'd like prayer for as well. We will pray for you and believe for your miracle. So is there anyone with any of those conditions? Just raise your hand. Let me see. Look at all these people. Look, just raise your hand up right where you are. And you need healing all down the back, up the front, right. Why don't we stand together and let's turn this into a prayer meeting, church. Okay, can we do that? And believe together for these people, for their miracle. Why don't you come down to the altar and we're going to believe for your miracle. I'm going to pray with you and lead you in prayer. Come on down. That's great. We're going to wait for you. I don't rush this part of the service. This is like really important. Come on in. That's right. Come on in close here. There's a spot for you right here, look. Reserved. Yeah. Fantastic. Who's the person with nodules on their neck? They've got little lumps like nodules along your neck down here and down here. Who's that person? Just Is that person here? Is that you? Yeah, come on down. I want to pray for a person who broke their, their hand across here and you've had some operations for it, but it hasn't healed 100%. And you, you, you need a, like, restoring rather than healing. Who's that person? You had a broken hand. It, it's, it hasn't got the full movement there. Who's, who's that person? You had an injury there. Is there anybody here? Don't be shy. Yes, he's coming. Okay. <clears throat> Is that your right hand or your left hand? 
That's why I went like that. Did you see that? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <clears throat> Let me just share some, you, something with you about healing, okay? You don't get healed in your body first. You get healed in your faith and you give it to your body. That took me ages to work out. So I'd pray to the Lord, so I had a pain here. At, for example, I'd say, Lord, would you heal that? And I'd be looking for the pain to go in my body. But then I discovered that's not faith, that's hope. What faith does is looks away from my body, from my pain, and looks to the promise of God and the provision of Christ, irrespective of the pain, irrespective of the need. Because here's the problem with you and me. We think it takes a lot of faith to get a miracle. And we've got it round the wrong way. The Bible says you only need a mustard seed. It's so little. Because so, what we tend to do is we compare our problem with our faith. But what faith does is compare our problem with God. And God's bigger than your problem or my problem. That's what faith does. That's what faith looks like. So what we're going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith. And we're going to make a statement. And you notice I'm not yelling. I'm just talking. I used to be a really good Pentecostal. I used to yell. And you know the Lord said to me one day, I was in the middle of a meeting like this. I was praying. I was yelling. I was foaming at the mouth. I was... People were getting healed. And you know what the Lord said to me? Would you be quiet? I can't hear myself think because of all your noise. And the Lord said to me, just listen to me. So I just began to listen to the Lord and quieten down. I've seen more miracles by letting God do it. You've got to stop trying to get healed, okay, honey? Let God heal you. That's faith, right? Do you know what happens when we reach into God with faith? Anxiety goes down. I had some tests a while ago and they discovered I had this blockage and I might have to have a heart operation. My blood pressure that's always been like real good, it went through the roof. And when I went to my doctor, he took my blood. He said, what's the matter with you, Gordon? I said, am I going to die? <laughs> and he said, Gordon, listen to me. You're not going to die, all right? You're just getting all anxious. I know what that feels like. And when we're anxious, faith can't operate. This is what the Bible says. Cast your care on him, for he cares for you. I want you to put your hand on your heart. And raise out a hand to the Lord and close your eyes. Church, if you know someone here by name, will you pray for them? Will you pray for your friend? Believe for healing? I want you to pray this out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for carrying my sin and taking it away from me. And just as you did that, thank you for dying for my sickness and my pain. Right now, I give you my pain. I give you my sickness. And I declare 
according to the scriptures, by your stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you thank the Lord for your healing? Come on, just give him a, give him a thanks. Okay. Now, when you go to sit down, I want you to do one thing, and I want you not to do a thing. All right? So the first thing, when you go and sit down, don't check it out. Did that work? See, because you've gone to your body again, you see? Leave that to God. Now, here's what's going to happen. I find this over and over. Some of you are literally getting healed now. And when you go and sit in your seat, you'll be going, wow, something's happening in my body. For some of you, it might be tomorrow or next week. See, the healing's not up to us. Faith is up to us to put our trust in the Lord. I can tell you some funny stories. I prayed for a lady that had a completely destroyed shoulder. And when she drove around a corner, she would have to hold the bottom of the steering wheel and go like that. It'd be a week, two weeks later after we prayed like this. She was driving and someone cut in front of her and she just swerved a car. And when she, she went, I'm healed. <laughs> God does have a sense of humor. You leave the healing to the Lord and he'll do it. I, I can feel it right now. Your faith will make you whole. Amen. Amen. And the second thing, when you get healed, tell somebody. Amen. You can be seated, church. Awesome. God's good. Now you watch the miracles, okay? You watch them happen. Um, over the last few years, I've been dedicating myself more and more with extra time to... Um, developing some resources. I've got some of them here. Um, this one here can help people. It's called uh, God of Miracles. And it's all about what the Bible teaches about miracles and healing. Uh, I've got a couple of leadership books here about how you can grow in your leadership to the different level. Um, I've got this one, Yes, Holy Spirit. This is one of my Top sellers. Isn't it amazing? I just, so many people purchase this book. Yes, Holy Spirit. Because I find a lot of Christians say, but Holy Spirit. So if you're saying, but Holy Spirit, get a buttectomy. <laughs> okay, so this one here is a prayer book. So this is written like a devotional, and you can pray through the 15 Psalms of Ascent. So it's like a prayer, a prayer book. Uh, what else have I got here? Oh, this one here is a very dangerous idea. Take someone with you. My idea is everyone's a leader. I find Christians waiting to get the badge. Leader. No, no, no. A leader influences people. As a matter of fact, I've met a lot of people that have got the badge and they're not leading anyone. Hence the old proverb, he that leadeth and no one followeth is simply going for a walk. Everyone a leader. That, that one there. My two latest books is this one, Church Gate of Heaven. It's all about the local church, giving. I talk about a whole lot of things. 
in that one. And then this book is my latest. I'm going to be preaching a bit around this uh, this morning. Is uh, normal Christian? <laughs> you normal brother? <laughs> you normal normal Christian? This is about normal. What is normal? Normal is what the Word of God says is normal, not what you think or I think or the world thinks. I hear in the church right now, it's happening all over, I travel quite widely, and I hear people talk about the Great Reset. Who said? I didn't know that God asked you to reset the church. I've heard people say, we need to deconstruct the church. And construct it. What, in your image? I didn't think you were building the church. I thought Jesus was. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. You and I are co-laborers with Christ. We're workers together with him. And so I've written this book about it, about the cross. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I can't get away from this. I've been reading this and going over and over it for about, oh, six months or more. And I've discovered the Bible is the eternal normal. The eternal normal. What Christ accomplished and what Christ provided is all summed up in him. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything about anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's really interesting, isn't it? That's all Paul wanted to know. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so we discover that normal Christianity is living in the provision of Christ. Nothing less, nothing more. Because that provision is a complete provision. I call this living on God's wavelength. That's normal Christianity. Living on God's frequency. So what is God's frequency? Or should we say correctly, who is God's frequency? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says this, God in various times, plural, and in various ways, plural, spoke to the fathers through the prophets, plural, has in these last days spoken to us in or through his son. So the Bible's teaching us here in Hebrews that prior to Christ, God spoke in all different ways. But when Jesus came, there's only one voice. There is only one frequency. Therefore, whatever, anything, and everything that God has to say to us, he has already said it to us in Christ. Christ is God's frequency. Do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? 
I mean, it was a pretty big gig. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. And you can read this in Matthew 17. And they're standing there looking, and all of a sudden it says, Jesus' clothes become white and shining like the sun. And then two dudes turn up. And it's Elijah and it's Moses. And they're chatting with Jesus. And here we find in the Scriptures another Peter moment. Do you notice in the Bible, Peter's always interrupting Jesus, correcting Jesus. There was only one other person in the New Testament that did that, and that was Martha. Peter and Martha interrupting Jesus. And this is a pretty big gig because you've got to understand what's going on. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And Jesus represents the new covenant, the new frequency. But Peter can't resist. He goes, excuse me, Jesus. Can you imagine Elijah? Who is this dude? Like, excuse me, Jesus. It's good that we're here. Let me build three tabernacles. One for Moses of the law. One for Elijah the prophets. And Jesus, one for you, the new covenant. All of a sudden, a voice comes out of heaven. This is my beloved son. Hear him. What was God saying? God's very polite. He basically told Peter to shut up. Just sit down and be quiet. There is no longer a voice in the law. There is no longer a voice in the prophets. There is only the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hear Him. Hear Him. So what is a frequency? I, I'm not a scientist kind of guy, but I looked it up. And you know, a frequency is a repeating message. So, for instance, if I clap my hand, you heard that because the clap formed a frequency and it went all the way to your ears. Isn't that amazing? And it just repeats. It's an amazing thing. That's what a frequency is. So what we've got to understand, there's a source and there's a receptor. So when I clap my hand, my hands were the source and your ears were the receptors. And so when we think of this in the terms of God being on frequency or creating his own frequency or sound, God's the source. And he sent out his frequency, Christ. We're his receptors. We are to receive God's message or God's frequency. But I've discovered there's two reasons why we don't. Number one, we're not tuned in. Did you know right round here, right now, if you had a radio with the capacity, you could actually dial into the local Brisbane radio station. Right here. You go, that's, that's amazing. Because you've got to have enough, the receptor or the, the, the satellite or whatever you're using has to be big enough and strong enough to get it, but it's there. And what I find is so often what happens to us is we lose our tuning. 
Instead of tuning in and dialing into the Lord's frequency, we're hearing other voices. We're, we're getting confused by what other people are saying, and we don't hear what God's saying. Or number two, we're not positioned correctly, and there's obstacles in the way. Did you know if we put a big sheet of paper and dropped it from the ceiling and I clapped, you'd still hear it? But if, I, if we put a big iron curtain here and I clap, the chances are you wouldn't hear it. It just hit it and bounce back. And there are various things in our lives that can be obstacles because we're not positioned. We're positioned behind obstacles, behind theologies, behind ideas that are actually blocking the frequency and we're not getting the true message from Christ. So in God's economy then, there is only one frequency, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, we read before, I preach nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so God's frequency is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah, but what about the law? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Yeah, but what about the prophets? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me ask you a question. Where's the cross in your life? That's a great question, isn't it? I looked at your church when I said, what a beautiful building and a spirit of excellence. I, look at, I can tell churches by their buildings. <laughs> I go into churches and they have torn carpet and there's a big stain on the wall. That's because people don't think God's important. He's sort of lower in the priority. But thank God you've got a church and a leadership that are putting God first, right? But I noticed there wasn't a cross on your church, brother. Pastor, I was looking for the cross. It's, it's not there. That's exactly the same as our church. People don't know we're a church until they read the sign, you know, Lighthouse Church. And people have said to me, why don't you have a cross on your building? And I said, well, the cross isn't supposed to be on a building. It's supposed to be in our hearts. Oh, man, that's good preaching. <laughs> so where is the cross in your life? I find some Christians, they're on the cross. They're dying every day. They're doing penance for their sin and their mistakes. They're denying, I can't eat that, I can't drink that, I can't go there, because I just want to be holy unto the Lord. That's not holiness, that's religion. Because you see, that's why Jesus died on the cross, so that you and I wouldn't have to go to the cross. That's the grace and the gift of God. It is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. People that have the, who put themselves on the cross are constantly the victim. Why is this happening to me? Or blaming others. The church hurt me. Now I know this doesn't happen in Midland, but in Brisbane, if I got a dollar for every Christian who said, why are you coming to the church? Well, I was in that other church and they hurt you. And so there's 500 people say in that church. So you're saying that 500 people smacked you around. 
No, probably one. <laughs> so you're leaving 499 because one person hurt you. That's a victim mentality. L listen, listen, church, listen to me. We live in a culture that's propagating and selling the whole idea that we're victims. You are not a victim if you are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. You're a child of God. You're filled with the Spirit. You're not supposed to be on the cross. So if you're on the cross punishing yourself, get off it and accept Jesus Christ as your offering. While other Christians are looking forward to the cross, the cross is sort of out there somewhere. And they're saying, if only God would heal me. I wish God would prosper me. Maybe one day God will. I believe he died for me, but, but I just don't, I don't discover it. I, I hope it's going to happen. I'm looking. Amazing. But I've discovered we're not looking to the cross or for the cross, and we're not on the cross. The Bible tells us to look back to the cross. Back to what? We look back to the finished, complete, perfect provisions and accomplishments of Christ on the cross. Why do you think Jesus is one of the last things he said? It is finished. The word finished in the Greek literally means accomplished, fulfilled, completed. Your salvation is complete. Your healing is complete. You say, well, I haven't got it now. Ah, but the just shall live by faith. Faith appropriates what Jesus has already done, and he's written it here in black and white. Why did, why did God go to all the trouble to write? Have you ever thought about this? Up until a few years ago, the Bible was the number one seller in all the world. But just recently, the Guinness Book of Records took it off. And they've put another one there that hasn't got nearly as near as this. Well, why is this book so important? Well, it's very expensive. Thousands of people have died printing it, giving it away. They've been put in prison. Yet God still kept the Bible going. Why? Why is it in black and white? Some people think God wrote it in case he lost his memory. Because, you know, living for eternity is a long time. Gee, God could have forgotten. No, no, he didn't write it for him. God wrote it for you and me. So we would have no doubt as to the promises, the accomplishments, and the provisions of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Therefore, as born-again, spirit-filled Christians, we perceive, evaluate, and view everything through the lens of the cross of Christ. Everything. That means to be on God's wavelength, on God's frequency. But you know what? We have to be careful who we listen to and what we say. Did you know that everything that God does, he does through words? That's why the Bible's important. Everything he does. From Genesis chapter 1, let there be light. Let there be stars. Let there be the earth. Let there be animals. He didn't, he didn't make it. He spoke it. 
And if we don't understand that, we will never be able to live in the provisions and the accomplishments of the cross. And God does everything through words, loving words, creative words, redeeming words, empowering words. So therefore, the chief weapon of the devil is counter words. He speaks words to counter those words. You go right back to the beginning in Genesis, he comes to Eve, he goes, did God really say you're going to die? And she goes, yeah, we're, we're not even to touch it. He says, secondly, you won't die. And then he says this, God knows in the day that you eat it, you'll be like God's little G. That's the biggest lie of the devil. From the beginning. God's holding out on you and if you eat that, you'll be like God's. No, they were already like God, capital G. It was only the chapter before. It said God created the male and female and he created them in his image. We live in a culture that's creating themselves in their own image. To be born again means to embrace the image of Christ through the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit reveals. And that's how we live. We don't live according to someone else's image or idea. We want to find out what the Bible says and what the Holy Spirit reveals. So we need to be careful what we say. So if words are important, then we need to be speaking what God says, what the Holy Spirit reveals. That's how you walk by faith. That's how you live by faith. I, I made a decision years ago. I refused to be the devil's mouthpiece. Because the devil knows if he can control the narrative, he can determine the atmosphere and the realities. Let me say it again. The devil knows if he can control the narrative, he can control the atmospheres and the realities in our lives, in our world, everything. We're, we are to adopt the narrative of heaven. This is the narrative of heaven, the Word of God, and what the Holy Spirit reveals. And as we begin to receive that and believe it and we get on God's wavelength and begin to speak it ourselves, have a guess what happens? God brings his atmosphere and his reality. You'll be surprised how you can change how you live through your narrative, through what you say. Amazing. God's atmospheres and realities flow through his word. This is why it's called the Holy Scriptures. That as we speak it, we're coming from a heart that knows what God has said and what we need to be saying. I call this the kingdom of God language. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to be quoting Scripture and verse every day, but you're speaking out of the Spirit. So, so I don't have to quote a verse on faith to my children who are being negative. I just can encourage them to say, hey, in our family, we're positive. We don't speak like that to one another. 
I'm, I'm actually transliterating the word of God, that we speak words of kindness and words of love to each other. And if we take that attitude, you will find atmospheres will change in your world because of your narrative. Even when we're born again, you don't get saved by giving money. You don't get saved by carrying a cross to Jerusalem. You don't get saved by doing a religious thing. What happens? Romans 10. If you will confess with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. For we believe with the heart, but we may, salvation comes through the mouth. So just like the old creation, the earthly creation was created through the word of God, you and I are saved when we begin to believe in our heart the word of God and we begin to speak it out of our mouth. That is the first step of normal Christianity. We are to live speaking what God wants and what God has revealed. That's how we create the atmosphere and the realities in our lives. You see, the, the normal Christian is relating correctly to the Holy Spirit in every area of his life. The Bible says we're born of the Word of God and the Spirit. It says we're indwelt with the Word of God and the Spirit. We're filled with the Word and the Spirit. We're sanctified through the Word and the Spirit. We're led by the Word of God and the Spirit. We are walking in the Word of God and the Spirit. We're ministering in the Word of God and the Spirit. So how do we know the will of God? Let me finish with this idea. Have you, have you ever had people, you probably said yourself, how do I discover the will of God? Well, it's called buy a Bible and read it. I'm surprised how many Christians, that, that they're struggling over an area and the Bible tells them all about it, but they haven't read it. So, so, so how do I know what the Bible says about faith or family or money or whatever? Well, I say this, buy a concordance and look it up. And that's, what, that's God's will. Have you met Christians that are, uh, God speaks to them all day? So they get up and say, well, what shirt shall I wear, Lord? And the Lord says, the blue one. Thank you, Jesus. And then they go to the bathroom. What underarm do I put on, Jesus? He says, the old spice. Thank you, Jesus. And then they go to the kitchen and they go, oh, Jesus, what do you want me to eat? And the Lord says, cereal. So they eat cereal. Even some Christians pray, God, do you want me to go to church? And the Lord doesn't answer them, so they stay at home. But the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. <laughs> it says they met daily. Every opportunity they met daily. Amazing, isn't it? It's, it's right here in black and white. You, when you're in the Word of God, you won't need to ask God for a whole lot of things. You'll already know. Well, people say, well, what, what if I do the wrong thing? Well, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you can make corrections. I spent 30 years building our church on one word. I never got any other word. 
And in the 30th year, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're done. <laughs> Go to Brisbane and plant a church, and you're done. <laughs> I listen to Christians. God's spoken to them a million times about their house, the color of their car. Some people say, oh, I prayed to the Lord about what color car I could get. He said, what do you think about that? I said, I don't think God cares. He just wants you to have a car. You choose. See, see, when you're in the Word and in the Spirit, you now know what God wants. You, you understand the will of God. You already know the will of God. So you begin to step out in faith in what you know. Listen, Christian, the first thing we should do is the last thing God told us to do. And if we do, it doesn't tell us anything new, just keep doing what you're doing. I've had people come to me over the 30 years, Pastor, and they say, God told me to join you. I'm committed to building the church. A few months later, where's Bob? Oh, the Lord told him to go to another church. Oh, God changed his mind. See, we need to understand God does speak I find Christians that live like that get all complicated. And then they do decisions that are completely different. No, no, no. What has God told you to do? Do it. <laughs> it's not my wife. I've been married to her for 50 years. We just had our 50th wedding anniversary last year. Yeah. The Lord told me to marry her. Yeah, he did. Well, it wasn't, I don't know if it was the Lord. I was song leading and she walked into our church. And I was smit. And I felt the Lord say, marry her. <laughs> what does the Bible say? Love your wife. Be faithful. Stay true. So that's what, we, what you do, don't you? You just do what the Bible says. And as you do what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, Go there, so you go there. And you do whatever God says. That's how we live, how God says. Oh, friends, living for Christ is the best life of all. You may not be close to him right now, and you might even think you're doing okay, but listen, living in the word and being led by the Spirit, those two things are the most wonderful things. I mean, look at the voices of doom and gloom in our world today. Everything's going to fold up, it's to the end, and it might be true, but that's not my concern. My concern is to do what the Bible says and listen what the Holy Spirit reveals. And now I'm in peace. You know the old saying, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know who holds tomorrow. My faith is in him. There's some people today right here, you actually suffer from anxiety because you're not sure. Listen, dear friend, when Jesus comes in and his word gets in your heart and in your mouth and the Holy Spirit begins to lead you, you won't be anxious about anything. 
because you've got faith and trust in a living, powerful God. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? You, you might have been brought up in the church. But listen, just because you're born in a garage, it doesn't make you a motor vehicle. Just because you go to church, that doesn't make you a Christian. Becoming a Christian is receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and he sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts and then we confess him from that moment on and we begin to live for him in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's some people you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you have. And you're like that one of those persons I was talking before, we get out of sync, we get out of position, and then other things come in, and the voice of God and the call of God in our lives gets crowded out. Why don't you come back today? Why don't you, why don't you just say to the Lord, I'm over this. I'm living on pieces meal. I'm living on leftovers. God wants you to live in the fullness of what he has for you. But if we don't fully commit to him, he won't release the fullness of everything he's got for us. But it's as we commit to him fully. Will you commit to him fully today? Maybe you're not even sure. Why don't we bow our heads in the presence of God? In a couple of seconds, I'm going to ask you, if you have never said yes to the Lord, or maybe today you need to come back, or you're not sure, why don't you raise your hand up? Just raise it up right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Ma'am up the back. Over here. Thank you. Young man. Is that a young man up there? Young lady? I can't see. Yeah. Down the front. Young man. Over to my right. Anyone else? Just slip it up boldly. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir and lady. I see you and the young man way up the back there. Young lady down here. I'm going to look one more time. Sir, I see your hand over there. I'm looking over to my right. Is there anyone? Just slip it up right now and say, I'm coming back for the first time. I'm giving my life and I'm renewing my faith. Is there anybody? Very quickly, slip it up. I'm going to pray now. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Right across to my left. Thank you, down the front and way over here. You're a couple. What a great thing, saying yes together. Awesome. Let's all stand together, shall we, church? Shall we stand together? I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Cody. Why don't you bow your heads? If you raised your hand before, put your hand on your heart and raise your hand up right like that and pray this out loud. Let's all pray at church. But in particular, if you raise your hand, pray this prayer out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Today I open the door of my life and I invite you in. Send your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Transform me. And may I live in the power of your Holy Spirit. I turn from sin today and everything that displeases you and I promise to serve you and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap offering. Isn't He worthy? Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.